Hello, photography friends. Thank you for joining us. We are pleased to get started and bring another exciting live chat with you for today. Come on in. Let us know that you're here. Say hello to us in the audience. Let us know where you're tuning in from and let us know what kind of photography you like to do. That's always a fun conversation starter as well. Of course, I am so pleased and honored to welcome my guest here uh, for you all today, Ariana Humans Keenahan of the Well-Fed Photography brand. Hello, Ariana. How are you today? I am well, Eugene. And yourself? With your fancy teacup? Always. Yeah, I was going to say, call me <laughs> That was not the best time to take a sip. I should have saw that coming. I'm doing very well. Me and my fancy teacup. <laughs> it's you like know, a part of you now. It's like your partner in interview crime or something to have your fancy is. teacup. <laughs> It, you know what? It kind of—I'll be honest with you—the original one broke, but I had to get another one because, like you said, it just became kind of like a part of me. Yeah. That's the one. Like otherwise, I don't—you know—I'm not one for fancy stuff outside of that point. And I, I got to explain this on air. But it's like, what are you doing, Eugene? But on air, I'll explain it. It was—I just went to a store one day. I needed a cup, and I—I I don't like the big cups. I'm American, but I like to have decent, por like small portions. So I didn't want a huge like coffee mug. So I just went into some store and that was the first thing that I had seen. And it was very inexpensive. It was on some sale. It was a very inexpensive thing. So I just bought it. I was like, okay, cool. And that was it. So I don't, you know, <laughs> that's my story about my teacup to get us started for today. <laughs> I called Eugene out about it before, like the very first time we were chatting. So then when I saw it again, I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hello from the Netherlands. Uh, Mikey says hello. Hello from Poland. You know, the weather to here is not so great in Poland. You're coming from, from Ireland. Yes, uh, Ariana. Yeah. How is things in Ireland? Is the weather nice? It's actually gorgeous today, but like over the weekend we had snow. So it's the funniest thing. It's like snowing one day and then gorgeous and sunny the next. So I, um, I spent a good bit of time outside today just to try to soak up the sun as much as possible. Yeah, and you gave us the snow. We're having your snow right now. <laughs> it's, it's literally snowing outside right now. <laughs> so thank you, Ariana. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome in, everybody. Once again, if you're just joining us, we're just getting started, giving you some time to come on in. Uh, let us know where you're uh, – let us know that you're here, and let us know where you're tuning in from and what kind of photography you like to do. We're going to jump on in now uh, with Ariana and get on started with our live chat interview. This is going to be exciting. As you see in the topic, photographic food for the family's soul. Ariana is all about that, as you will find out throughout this live chat. But for our keen viewers out there, and you mentioned it too, Ariana, you and I connected uh, a few months ago. Uh, what have you been up to since then in the past four, five, six months? What have you been up to with your business? There has actually been so much. This has been a huge year for us, even though in Ireland, just to, ex to explain to anyone who's not living in Ireland presently, um, we are still in full lockdown mode. So at the moment, actually, no, on Monday, we got um, our kind of distance that we could travel change from five kilometers to 20 kilometers. That was a huge deal. <laughs> but in the meantime, I've just been really working in the background to um, to provide value to our clients. So I started a podcast a couple of months ago and that has been so well received. It's called Living a Life Well Fed. And it just ranges. We have a photographer on every month so that we can talk about photography and connect from there. But we equally, um, you know, I, I when I was doing the book of breastfeeding stories, which I'm sure we'll get to later, um, 
I heard from so many parents, they just didn't know where to find resources. And so for me, I thought, okay, I have a chance to fill this gap. I have a chance to bring resources to clients and to listeners and followers. And so I've done that through the podcast and it's been amazing. And aside from the podcast, um, I had some big breakthroughs just around our industry and how we're offering services to our clients and how we're operating as business owners. So I'm currently working on something very exciting in the background um, to be able to assist photographers with their businesses because I feel like a lot of times photographers go through feast and famine mode. They're constantly, you know, trying to get the photo session and then provide service to those clients. And then they're waiting until they get to the next photo session. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Maybe I can come back on at some stage and talk about that too. But that's um, the second thing. And the last thing is, Eugene, I have to thank you for this, but I was actually inspired to create a course around brand building after our conversation. So yeah. <laughs> I've, I've um, recorded a course called Brand Belief, how to build a brand that you and your clients believe in. And it actually launches on the 26th of May. So we, we currently have a wait list open, but that was all out of our conversation. And it just made me realize that I had so much information to offer to others. Um, and it's not photography specific, but it's just, there's so much thought that actually goes into building a brand. It's not just a logo or colors. Like a lot of people think it's not just a font that can be easily read and recognized. There's so much that goes into it. So I've been, um, I've been quite busy if, if you want to <laughs> use that word in the past few months since we last spoke, but it's been a beautiful journey. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And I'm, I'm happy that I could, that we at Photo could serve as some sort of inspiration for you. And those in the audience, you heard it. Ariana is a master at branding as well as so many other things. So if you have any questions about that, drop them in the comments. I'm sure we'll probably touch on that at least a little bit as we get through the chat here today. Um, but speaking about a brand that you believe in, well-fed photography is the name of uh, your photography brand, which is which is somewhat of a it's a unique one, you know, yeah. and it's something that I'm sure a lot of people when they first read it they wonder what exactly uh, that means. So for our viewers now, what is well-fed photography, and can you just talk a little bit about your brand? Of course. Yeah, so well-fed photography is about, it's really more of a movement. It's about living life in a way that you feel really satisfied at a soul level. It's um, making sure that you're choosing to live life the way that you want to, in a way that feels good for you, in a way that feels joyful, um, in a way that you feel whole and complete. And that is also how I photograph clients. So I see them as whole and complete. And that's the perspective from which I photograph them. And so it's really powerful when clients get to see the photographs of themselves when they've been taken from that perspective. It gives them an opportunity to sometimes see something in themselves that they haven't seen before. And it's gone on to assist people, assist clients with some really impressive transformations. So that's part of it. And it kind of has a double meaning because I also provide services to families who have chosen to breastfeed. And so it, it works both ways. You know, I can talk about that satisfaction at the soul level, living in a way that feels really wonderful. And then also for being able to service as clients who are, are breastfeeding families and provide photographs of that, that unique part of parenthood that is kind of over before we know it, even if we go on to breastfeed for years, like it's there and then it's gone. And, and um, so it's great to have those photographs too for clients. Absolutely. And the breastfeeding is the, is an extremely unique part of your brand. And I know it's a very important one. 
And is it that you just want to try to bring attention more to breastfeeding or, or what do you hope that your business and your brand can do for breastfeeding? Yeah, I'd love to positively change the culture when it comes to breastfeeding, particularly in Ireland, if not beyond mm -hmm. Ireland. I'd love for it to go beyond. But um, I just I even though I'm from America originally, I've lived in Ireland for about eight years now and I became a mother here and so I was highly influenced by the culture, but I also had a family legacy of breastfeeding. So, you know, my grandmother would have breastfed her children, my mom would have breastfed us, um, and I just knew it was very much part of our family legacy. So it was easy for me to make the decision when I became a mother. But I know for a lot of people here, it's not as easy of a decision. There are a lot of generational gaps where, um, you know, people of the you know people that are currently having children are trying to do something that maybe their parents didn't do or their grandparents didn't do. So I would like to be able to fill the gap. I would like to be able to bring breastfeeding kind of more out into the open, more out and, and make it more readily seen and understood, so that people can explore it like if they if they want to breastfeed they can get more acquainted with it if they don't know anyone else that has um, and it also I'd like to just demystify it a bit and let people see what it looks like because you know we can see the beautiful like the portraits that are behind you like those are gorgeous portraits but sometimes whenever we're seeing portraiture of something like breastfeeding it isn't necessarily the true nature of breastfeeding and what it looks like in an everyday context so mm. I find it's really powerful to show that that narrative of breastfeeding to show what it can look like to feed a newborn on the couch whenever you're like shoveling a big meal into your <laughs> into you so that you can feed your baby or mm. um, you know for people that are feeding children that are like age two like what that looks like or age three so it's opening up this view of breastfeeding it's making it more readily seen and understood and also hopefully taking away some of the taboo of breastfeeding or at least here in Ireland in some cultures it's very accepted in other cultures mm. there's still room to grow there all right and it's a very noble initiative that you have and it's a wonderful one as well and I know too from my experience speaking with you and and you know going through your work that you also have uh, a very documentary style approach. You, you say that you are a family photographer. You know, if you had to choose one of the, the main genres, it would be family photography and maternity and perhaps, but you take it from a very uh, documentary style approach. Uh, and I wanted to just ask you, uh, you don't see these combined very often. What <laughs> was it that made you decide to uh, take on family photography from the documentary style as opposed to just going into a studio and and setting everything up yeah I think that maybe having a family of my own helped with that because I was able to see and experience what family life really felt like and I am a photographer who always invests in you know the art of other photographers as well for my own family so I do not try to do it all when it comes to that. I am always hiring other photographers to document our family. And I had a really wonderful experience when my son was maybe reaching a year old and mm. we had hired someone to photograph our family who was a documentary photographer. And I just had this moment where I had fed my son and my son was in the process of crawling away from me in the photograph. You can kind of just see my son crawling away. Um, and then you see me smiling and I had no idea that that's how I looked at him 
you know, mm. after a feed or that's the kind of emotions that I was evoking. But it was it was a very pleasant surprise for me. And it was such a beautiful gift for me to be able to see that this is what my son sees. You know, mm -hmm. this is what he gets to experience. And I wanted to give that to other families. I wanted them to be able to see their everyday life as beautiful, as perfect. I, as I said before, I photograph people from the perspective of them being whole and worthy of, of um, having their real life be seen, knowing that it's okay for them to exist in photographs as they are, to not feel like they have to coordinate outfits, which I'm terrible at as a, as a parent. Um, and they don't, like we didn't have to find some idealistic uh, landscape or a place for them to go for things to look overly perfect. I wanted to really honor what life looks like. And I've even had some clients who um, have hired me in the past and I showed mm -hmm. up and like they're kind of in their tea dresses and like, you know, looking very fancy. And then the mom like went and changed because she understood within a few minutes of me being there just actually what it really was. And mm -hmm. that, you know, I was honest when I said I could just photograph them as they were. They didn't have to dress up. They didn't have to, you know, have their Sunday best on to be able to be photographed. And it was a beautiful transition just to see her quietly go upstairs, change into a more comfortable dress and come back and spend that time with her daughter. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure she felt much more comfortable, as you said. And with that idea of kind of being yourself, I'm going to go back to the topic of breastfeeding. I see a great question in the comments from Kunigunda. Yes. And Kuni Guda wants to know if you got uh, a lot of backlash or hate from showing breastfeeding in your imagery. Uh, did people try to shut you down because of its disgusting, as she says, appearance? Or, or what is kind of the response that you get from your breastfeeding imagery? Luckily, and, and we'll probably speak about this, Eugene, too, when it comes to branding. Luckily, through the brand that I've built and the languaging that I use and how I treat breastfeeding, a lot of times the, the response is very positive. I've actually mm -hmm. never had anyone be, uh, you know, call it the word that she used or to speak about it negatively. I have had people say that it's triggering for them because maybe they made a different choice when it came to how they wanted to feed their child and they didn't feel re respected in that choice. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have been able to luckily respond and just say i wholeheartedly respect your choices as a parent i respect the way that you've chosen to feed your child you know breastfeeding is something that's very special to me it's been a gift to me and so i get a lot of pleasure out of photographing families that are experiencing the same but that does not in any way mean that i'm against parents who choose not to breastfeed and i had that the person who told me that she was very triggered by it she actually said um that it in 10 years of being a parent, she had never been told that her choices were respected. She had never felt so respected. So I think sometimes the things that we fear the most, like I had a lot of fear around being the breastfeeding photographer for the very reason that she mentioned, but actually it's provided the most beautiful opportunities to open up conversation and to have positive interactions with people who maybe have felt judged for their decisions or they felt targeted for their decisions, whether it's through choosing to breastfeed or choosing not to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And it's been a great opportunity to have the conversation because if I hadn't stepped uh, out of my own fear and if I hadn't pursued this, then I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have these conversations. So honestly, it's been amazing and it's been very well received and well supported. 
All right. Absolutely. And do you find, you can speak mostly to Ireland and to that area. Do you find that there are some women who might still be hesitant to consider breastfeeding because of the backlash they feel that might be given to them from society or even from the family members? Yes. So I, um, I've spent the past year interviewing lots of different families and individuals about their breastfeeding experiences in Ireland as part of the book that I'm creating. And it's, it's amazing the range of experiences because there's, there are people who did not start out as like a breastfeeding parent, but Mm -hmm. then later on became a breastfeeding parent. So they've experienced different ends of the spectrum. There are people who have combination fed because of fear of things like being seen in public and wanting to make sure they had a bottle when they're out in public Um, Mm -hmm. or if they were in their own home, but they had family members or friends visiting, they didn't want to be seen breastfeeding. So there's certainly still a level of shame or fear that people have around it or around being seen breastfeeding. But there again, that's what I, I hope to help take away some of that shame or that fear through being very open about it through having the open dialogue and through showing photographs of it so that people can see that it's not always what they perceive it to be in their mind. I think a lot of times the things that we fear the most are the biggest in our minds, but then once we see them, it takes some of the charge out of it for us. So that's what I'm doing. And I think sometimes the energy behind what we do has a big effect. So I'm not here to, to fight against anything. I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I'm just here to be of service to people that want the service and to connect with people and have the conversations with people. So it's completely, um, it's completely open to our followers, our viewers to, to converse with me and to feel like they can do that. But, um, yeah, I think going back to your original question about the fear, there's still a bit there. There's still mm-hmm. a ways to go. And I think COVID, you know, we're not going out, we're not seeing people in person anyway. So I think a lot of breastfeeding uh, relationships are probably going on longer because they're not out in public being seen or because they're not having to tell people like, yeah, we're, we're feeding currently, um, you know, at two years or three years or whatever. But I would love to see when we do return to being able to go to cafes or pubs or just out in, in public that people can feel comfortable to feed their child whenever their child needs to be fed, whenever that happens, instead of feeling this need to, to hide or cover up or um, get home quickly. <laughs> yeah. Erase that taboo, as you mentioned earlier, that, you know, it's natural. There's nothing, there shouldn't be anything taboo about it. Um we had some people come in. Hello, Sarah from Italy. Oh, hello, Bramilda from, from Ireland. Thank you for joining us again. Anybody in the audience, if you ever have any questions for Ariana, let us know, and we will be sure to address them at some point in this live chat. Uh, and Ariana, I get your, your work. It's, it's so organic, and it's, it's very real. You really get a sense like you're looking into the window of somebody's family when you look at your photography work. Uh, you know, in this documentary style approach that you take to it, it's really something that you don't see very often. Uh, so I, I wanted to kind of ask you for our audience, if you could just walk us through what it's like a day on a shoot with you or even the whole process of what it's like to book you for like family photography from that documentary style perspective. Yes, of course. So, um, I had I see someone's asked about the length of time, so I will talk about that as well. But mm-hmm. I um, t- 
typically people will email me. So that's the most popular mode of contact is people send me an email to find out more information. And I am happy to respond via email, but I really try to um, lead us towards having a consultation of some sort, whether that's over the phone or via video, because it gives us an opportunity to start that connection. It gives us an opportunity to get to know one another and for them to already feel comfortable with me so that they're not getting to really meet me the first time I walk through their <laughs> into their house. Um, and that's also from a, a printed product perspective, that video consultation is also the first time that they're getting to see the products, especially at the moment, because I'm not able to meet people in person for the consultations or I'm trying to reduce the in-person contact. So I will show them the products via video and I will have conversations around what their preference is for enjoying photographs, because a lot of people know they're either an album person or they want photographs for the walls or um, a lot of people have never heard of a folio box until they're speaking to me and they fall in love with it. That's my most popular product. So that's when we have those types of chats. You know, I get a sense of what they're envisioning what they really wanted for their photo session, whether they want it to be at home or another place that's really important to them or has significance to them. And then we plan out both the photo session and the photo reveal and ordering session. I always wanna make sure I have the two dates down on the calendar because especially if it's an outdoor session, then it gives us a backup date for a photo session if we need it. And if not, we just move forward with the photo reveal. And um, so yeah, we have the photo session and that typically lasts anywhere from an hour to maybe an hour and a half. I tend to let the youngest member of the family be my guide along the way. Um, but I will, at the start of the session, I don't just come in and start photographing the family. So what I do is I bring my products with me again, a few sample products and I show them. So I have an album that I bring and this is great, not just for children, it's great for partners because a lot of times it's the moms who would have booked me, but the partners, they they might not have seen my work or they might not have had a chance to talk to me and get to know me. So it's my chance to, you know, show, show the kids like what it looks like, what they might get to experience while I'm there. And I speak about the camera and getting used to hearing it. And, um, it's a great chance to let them physically hold the products and flip through them and it's a great icebreaker. So then I will transition, I'll put the sample products away and I'll transition into actually photographing. But as I said, the youngest member of the family or members of the family typically lead the way. So I can get a sense of, you know, when kids are kind of just done and I, I um, go by that. So sometimes I'm finished in an hour and I'm very happy with what I was able to capture during that time. Sometimes it might be an hour and a half. It really is so individual to each family, but I tend not to go beyond the hour and a half because um, it can be as much as like I'm there and it's a natural relaxed setting. They still have someone coming into their home that, you know, isn't a member of the family and that, mm. that they're not used to being around. So I try to be very respectful of that and you know, like we, we probably all know from math class that there is like, there's like this bell curve, right? There's this window of opportunity where you're really getting the best out of something. And then sometimes that can fall off. So I always try to end at the high point of that experience so that whenever I'm parting ways with them, they feel their absolute best. They've gotten a wonderful experience with each other. They've been able to spend time together without being interrupted by their phone or other distractions. And 
it's just a beautiful time to to see them interact with one another and to reconnect with one another because we're with our families a lot, most of us, but we're not always connected. We're not always present. We're not always having that mindful time spent together with them. So that's what I try to be able to give to families. That's the extra bonus of the photo session. That's something beyond just the physical pieces of art that they will get to live with because what they're experiencing, what they're feeling during the photo session is going to be reflected back to them in that art. And so I want those feelings to be able to translate every time that they pick up a photograph or they see something on their wall from the photo session, whether consciously or subconsciously, I want them to think about how good it felt during that time. So I find that 60 to 90 minutes is my magic time window. If I go beyond that, then it's too much. Um, anything under that I think can feel rushed for a family. So that's, that's what I typically do. After the photo session, I typically give it about um, a week to two weeks to have the photo reveal unless I'm traveling. So I cover the whole country. And if I'm traveling, I will typically process the photos that night and then do a photo reveal the next day. So they're having a back-to-back -back photo session and photo reveal and ordering session. Um, and from there, once we once we have the photo reveal, they get to select what family art products they want to enjoy and I get to make that and then deliver it. So that's kind of from beginning to end. Um, but there's no real end because I'm always nurturing, I'm always ensuring I stay in touch. I'm always wanting to connect with the clients to make them feel special, thought of, considered, like I have a client who just, um, they just welcomed a new baby into their family. So I sent them a little a little gift box um, of a few things just to let them know that they're thought of and to help them settle into becoming a family of four. So it never there's never a true end, just a, a sort of break between the next interaction and the delivery of the family art. Okay. And uh, Mikey uh, had a similar question in mind as I did about this. Going back to the photo shoot itself, uh, she wants to know, uh, how do you get uh, your families to act together? Do you give them some guidance on that? For example, a family with kids, busy with their phone, people who don't know what to do. So are you someone who is giving guidance to a family or are you really just kind of being a fly on the wall and letting it all play out? Yeah, so I converse with the family, but I would actually never direct a family when it comes to what they're doing, as in, um, like, you know, if a kid is on the phone, like, I would photograph that, honestly. Like, whatever they're watching is really, it's, it's a marker of what they were interested in at this particular time in their life. So if they're watching, like, if a kid's watching Blippi, then I, I'm photographing them watching Blippi. You know, like whatever makes the family happy, whatever that looks like for them is um, I think we have to let go of this judgment or this preconceived notion of what family should look like because it looks different for everyone. And particularly at the moment, I think families are are coping the best they can in whatever way they can. And they were doing that before the pandemic, but now <laughs> especially so. So, you know, naturally, I think when you approach it from that perspective, you don't have any um, kids fighting you on that, you know, like you don't have parents that are having to get upset with their children. It's just a natural progression where at some stage, you know, they're going to put the phone down and they're going to interact or the parents can go and, um, and think of some cues to actually say to their child to get them engaged. But I don't force that on them. I normally just let the parents lead in that regard. And 
uh, I, I capture everything. I tell parents if there's something that feels too personal for you or if there's a moment where you just need a you need to pause to parent, you mm. take that pause. You take that moment if you like I try to be really intuitive about it, right? So that they don't have to say that to me. But I always tell them at the beginning of the photo session, if you need a moment, just say so. If you need mm. to like take a break to get a snack with the kids and you don't want that photographed, like have your break to, to snack with the kids and get some water. Um, I typically do photograph that too, but it really just is about letting them have the space to be themselves because a lot of times I'm coming into their home anyway. So the last thing that I want to do in someone else's home is to really direct them. So I might say, oh, that was wonderful. Or like if they want to go out into the garden, I can let them know that, oh, this is fantastic. Like if you want to transition into the house, I feel like we've gotten, you know, amazing photographs here and you're welcome to go inside if you want to like play games or do something else. So I'll say little things like that, which is feedback to let them know that they're doing a great job, you know, that they are um, perfect. What they're doing is wonderful and uh, always giving them positive feedback because a lot of times, even if it's meant to be natural, um, people can still have these fears around like, am I okay enough? Is it okay? Am I being okay? Am I performing correctly? So to just give them positive feedback along the way, even if it's just a one-liner or a few words, can really go a long way into just like letting them relax into themselves a bit more. That was a very good question. And I, I have kind of two follow-up questions okay. uh, <laughs> about that. Uh, and and uh, Brumilda, I, I see your question. We'll try and get to it uh, a little bit later. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, Brumilda, if you haven't yet, let me know what kind of photography uh, you do or specialize in most. We can try and angle it from that perspective. Uh, but the two follow-up questions that I have for you, uh, Ariana, you mentioned how you uh, will take a picture of a child if he's on the phone, like a 10-year-old. If he's on the phone, you're going to take a picture of that. Do you ever have any clients um, come to you like after a shoot or something and have some kind of – I'm trying to think of a light way to say mm, – disappointing is way too hard of a word. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Who are like – Oh, like really? That was all my son did, or that was all my daughter did. Like, can you come back next week or something? <laughs> is there ever a moment like that where the family is like, "Yeah, that's them," but I don't want that to be what's remembered? You know what I'm trying to say? Does that ever happen to you? Those some kind of moment yeah. like that? Yeah. Like, how do you, you know, handle such a thing like that? Yeah, it's interesting because I have kind of two extremes. Like, I have the um, I have the people who want things to be more. I think maybe lifestyle would be more appropriate than documentary as in like they want that natural look, but they don't necessarily want it to be real life. And so right. it's, it's a um, finding happy medium between embracing what I actually do, which is photographing real life and giving them the photographs that they want to look back on. So mm. really giving them variety during the photo reveal is the best thing that I can do. And not only does variety allow the opportunity for your clients to, select photos that they love and that they want to look back on it also makes what i do for them more valuable versus say if someone's doing you know a hundred photograph photo reveal and five of this you know scene look the same and five of that scene look necessarily like you know very similar so um like i said just variety and like 
I've never honestly had a situation where a kid is only just on their phone. Mm. I have had situations where, um, like there's a family with a lot of different age ranges. So maybe like the older teenagers, like they're there for the first part of the photo session and then they kind of go off and do their own thing. Um, and that's fine. Like sometimes it's a situation where I can still photograph them in their rooms doing their own thing, whether it's like playing the guitar or reading or doing whatever, I can still get a few snaps of that. But typically I don't, I don't force it. You know, like that is still their family unit, even if spending a bit of time together as the whole family and then maybe the younger members of the family um, and the parents are together for kind of the latter half of the photo session. That's OK. I embrace it all and yeah. do the best with it that I can so that they're happy. And I've honestly I've never had anyone um, express disappointment in what they've in the selection that they've had to choose from. I feel like there's always something there that they're delighted to see that they're happy to see and most clients maybe it's from being so hard on themselves or from wondering if they've like done well enough most clients are like blown away by actually what is captured and all the little moments that they don't even give any mind to that happen throughout the day like those are the really special things like um i wrote um an article about this recently for a local newsletter and it was like you know the, the magic is in the in-between moments, like the, the few seconds that you wipe your child's hair out of their eyes, um, that you give a quick hug, that you, you know, get down on eye level with your child and, and speak to them about, you know, what it's like to experience something difficult. Like those are all such magical moments that a lot of times as parents, you're just going through, but you don't get to see them. And so when clients see that, it's really, really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And and not to say that they're insignificant, but from a parent's perspective, as you say, the, the, the normal thought process of you going to a photographic session, you're not thinking to get the, the hair out of the eyes. <laughs> you're thinking the child sit in the nice clothes with a nice smile. So yeah, that's, that's, such, that's a really great point. And um, let me ask this, because I had another one and it, and it kind of floated away. Maybe it'll come back. Okay. This you have this instinct, you have this this ability to know to to get some real life shots, but like you said, you also know when to kind of go a different direction or to kind of back off. Is that just is that experience or is that just something that ha you have innately, or is it a combination of both? Uh, like if somebody is looking to get into this style of photography, um, how can they develop or get that uh, that perfect medium of getting some real shots, but not going too far, so to speak, perhaps? Yes, I think it's it's all so individual and personal because for me, like I would say I'm a highly intuitive individual. And so I connect with people from a space of intuition. You know, it's something that I can really feel, but also having a lot of experience, like being a photographer, I've, I've, I've had a few different careers in my life. Um, but being a photographer is what I've done the most in my life. It's what I have the most experience at. And before being a photographer, I was working with people. So I, I was actually working with incarcerated individuals. I was working in the prison systems and in the jails mm -hmm. in Georgia, all throughout Georgia. And I feel like that served me so well for multiple reasons. For one reason, you know, I had to be very good at emotional intelligence. I had to be able to connect with someone and really understand who they were as a human being. So that helped with the connection aspect. And of course, like when I was working in prison, like I was working with people that are so often considered to be a number 
or to be considered less than. So to be able to see them for their gifts and their talents and for their positive aspects, because I was there to be of service to them. I was there to help them. Um, I wasn't there to discipline or correct them. That wasn't the role that I had, but being able to do that in, um, in prison really made it so easy whenever I was just out photographing families, like yeah. to just see them for their traits and for the things that are um, interesting about them. And I think sometimes that's my superpower because I'm coming into the family and everyone is special and unique to me because I'm meeting them or either I'm seeing them again if they're a repeat client. So I see everything that they do as interesting and new. Whereas for them, like their everyday life is everyday life. But I get to show them that from the perspective of me having just seen it and witnessed it for maybe the first time or the second time or the third time, depending on if they're a repeat client or not. And I think that is the special aspect that comes with, you know, being intuitive and following things is like I have the upper hand because I'm the new person in the scene that gets to witness it. So I have a double barreled question for you. <laughs> Oh, and uh, sorry, Eugene. I'll just say for the when you said if when you said if I had tips for someone who's looking to get into this, I would say practice. You know, practice your in feeling your intuition and going with its guidance. So that voice that's within you, let it become stronger. Turn up the volume on that. Trust and believe it. And it's going to do a lot more than just being able to connect with your clients. It's going to provide you amazing guidance for your business, for your family life, for your social life, for networking. For marketing, I know there's a question about marketing. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to help all of that. So there are certain ways you can practice that. It's just listening and allowing it to come through and trusting it. That's my biggest okay. tip. <laughs> well, I, uh, I have a double barrel question, one from the audience, then we'll get to the marketing and then we'll maybe come back around to to some of this content as well. So uh, my double barrel question, the first one is, how, so how many, like in a typical shoot, how many shots do you walk away? You said like about an hour, 90 minutes, you're usually with the family. How many images do you usually walk away with from that? And then on top of that, uh, Mikey kind of had the question of, so if you have like, for example, five images that are very similar, like how do you pick the one to use at the reveal? Is that your decision or is that more up to the family? How, how do you handle a situation like that if you have a, a similar set of images? Yes, so I um, typically leave a session with around 200, 250 um, photographs. So that's just mm -hmm. like the raw photographs on the camera. That is not what I show the clients. I always narrow it down, but that tends to be what I walk away with. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm calling, the things that I'm looking for are photographs that I can feel and photographs that evoke specific emotions. So if I am going through the photos and I see a photograph that makes me laugh, I know that that's one that I want to use. If I see one that makes me like feel something at my heart, like one of those really just sweet tender moments, that's one to put in there. So it's, it's kind of like I think sometimes as photographers, we can get really stuck on the technicals and is it perfect? Is it in focus? Um, is it, you know, well lit? And we have all of these things. And I have to say that earlier in my career, I actually had one of my biggest sales be from a photo session that I would have said was my worst shot photo sessions, just purely from the lighting conditions. And what what I learned from that, though, was that it was so much less about my perfection and the technical skills that I have as a photographer. And it was so much more about what the clients were feeling from the photographs that they 
we're looking at. So for me, I do try to not have it be um, five really similar images. And if they are similar, I, I will typically go through them. I'll look at them in Lightroom together because I find it challenging to kind of look at them on the computer one by one. So I'll look at them in Lightroom and, you know, I might assess it from something like, is it is it beautifully lit? That might actually come into play there. You know, like what is what's going to print the best? What is going to evoke the most emotion? Um, what do I get the sense that they want to see? And if it's something that's really similar, sometimes I just have to take the emotion out of it for myself and say, I'm going to go with this one. Or my husband is fantastic at this. My husband, um, he works for the business, so it's not a GDPR concern, but he, um, he will sometimes just say, it's that one. They're going to buy that one. And I think, really? And he's like, they will. And he's never once in all these years been wrong about that. So he's my other sounding board if I ever am stuck. <laughs> These are great questions, everyone. Keep them coming in the audience if you have any. And uh, Brumilda, thank you so much for being so patient. I'm gonna turn now to her question. Uh, she had a question about marketing, but let me give a little more of a backdrop. Uh, she has let us know that she's a lifestyle newborn and family photographer in Ireland. Uh, she had been living in South Africa before she uh, immigrated to Ireland in 2020. Uh, she is a uh, registered birth photographer, so she loves the connection between newborns and families. And her original question is, uh, what kind of tips or advice would you have about marketing? Let me go back up. Regarding marketing, like how do you get your name out? She was asking you. Okay, so there are a few different things that are really not the typical um, things that I do that I've done to build connections because we're kind of working in a similar realm. Um, I have not started offering birth photography just purely because I'm breastfeeding my daughter. So I don't feel like I can be away yet for <laughs> some of the links of births that happen. But we're, we're kind of in a similar stage of family life that we photograph. And one thing that I found really powerful is to connect with people who are lactation consultants or doulas or um, someone in this, the realm of providing services to, to families that are either expecting or maybe like very early in the postpartum period, they're going to be in touch with that family. So I've done a few different things. Um, last year, we're going through the pandemic. I had a businesses we love feature on our page every week. And so I would highlight someone else's business as a way to give them more of a voice and um, uplift them while we were going through the pandemic. And what that did is it established connections they were so happy for being featured. And it also just means you have someone then that if they know of someone who wants those services, photography services, they've got someone who's top of their mind. So it kind of works. It's a win-win for everyone. And presently I'm having people on the podcast as well that are serving similar clients as me. So again, it works to, to be able to like uplift them and bring them out as, um, experts in their field for my clients to enjoy, but also if they have someone that they know is gonna need photography services, they can recommend them to me. Um, but beyond that, if you don't wanna start a podcast and if you don't wanna use social media, whenever we can get back to um, meeting in person, like there are fantastic places like 
Business Networking International. Um, they're meeting virtually actually at the moment, so you could hop on to a few of those meetings. And as long as there isn't a photographer actually holding a seat within that particular group, you can speak about your business. That's a great um, way to connect with other people, other business owners who their sole purpose is to get you referrals. So they actually have a system that they log in an app and they're, um, they're referral based. So their mission is to make sure you are getting clients through your doors. So that's another fantastic way to like network and get um, clients through the door. And then, you know, marketing, like it's one of the things that we don't think of anymore, but actually doing mail drops is a fantastic thing to do because People are so inundated online that I think that sending physical post is um, something that's not tapped into enough now, which means that you're going to get to make a lot more of an impact through um, doing leaflet dropping. Or and, and there are services throughout Ireland that they can actually do that for you. They can base it on a region. They can do it nationwide. They can print the flyers for you. So those are a few different ways. I, I hope that helps. But if she has any further questions, do definitely let me know. But uh, the best thing that I've seen work is building connections, genuine connections to where you're the first person that these people think of, whether it's a connection with a doula, a connection with a midwife, a connection with someone who does pre and postnatal education for people or like a lactation consultant. Like those are some of the best things you can do because that will always serve you always, always, always versus like doing a Facebook ad might get you some traction, but it's not a true relationship that you're building. Thank you for the question, Bramilda. If you have any follow-up questions or if there's something that we didn't seem to address that you still have a question about, let us know in, in the comments and the questions. I want to second your uh, point about old-fashioned mail. I got a letter in the mail a few weeks ago, and I'm still like smiling about, <laughs> about it from like a you know, from a client, you know, sending me that, you know, and I'm still smiling about it. And I'm talking and mentioning about it. It, it, yeah, like you said, especially nowadays with the inundation of digital and, you know, not so much mail anymore, like old fashioned mail still puts a smile <laughs> on people's faces and makes a big impression. And, you know, kind of speaking of print, kind of my segue too, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, <clears throat> sorry, print products now. Yeah. And uh, you were mentioning print products throughout uh, our discussion so far. And so they're they're clearly a big part of your of your brand and and why is it that you've decided to uh, incorporate print products uh, in your in your brand because i well a few things <laughs> i was a photographer for five years in the states before i moved to ireland and i did not offer i mean i i did offer the odd album or prints if people wanted them but uh that was jesus when was that 2006 to 2011 maybe 2012 and that I was offering photography services. So most of what I saw then was albums for a wedding or albums for a newborn baby. But a lot of times when people were getting like just regular family um, shots, it was just digitals. Like I was just giving them digitals. And I'd say hardly anyone has any of those printed, knows where they are, knows where to access them. And when I started well-fed photography, I started from a totally different space. So I have, 
I have been the photographer who was like, you know, Ariana Yeoman's photography and I have built a brand. And I can tell you that building a brand and having high quality, beautiful products for families to enjoy changes the game because people all of a sudden, they understand the investment that they're making. It's it's a physical product that they can hold in their hands. Um, it's not something that's just like nebulous to try to, to place a value on like a digital, um, you know, digital image on a, a USB drive. And it means that there's a lasting legacy for me and for them. So they get the lasting legacy of their family history being captured and be able to show that. Like I have, I have a photo here of my grandparents and I'm so happy I have this photograph. I'm so happy it was taken. I'm so happy I have access to it. But, you know, some families don't. And there's a certain period of my life where digital was new and that was what we do. We had a point and shoot. And like that whole probably 15 years of my life just doesn't exist anymore. Like we don't have photographic evidence of it. So I wanted to make sure I had printed products for my clients to enjoy. And also as an artist, it's really satisfying to know that there's going to be a lasting legacy in both how I was able to help people feel because they'll be reminded of that every time they look at the photographs and the experiences I was able to provide for them, but also through having physical pieces of art that people can connect to. Like I literally, one of my visions and Eugene, you're gonna, I think you're going to love this, but I have this vision of years from now, the kids that I'm taking pictures of now, like seeing them as adults. And let's just picture like two kids, like two people that are kids now, different families, they meet each other later in life, um, fall in love. They're coming over to the other person's parents' house for dinner for the first time to meet them. And all of a sudden they see like, the folio box with well-fed photography and they go oh my gosh our family has those too and they have something that links them that they can compare they can look at each other's photographs and it's like it's it's that's the dream that's the vision that i have you know like that these multiple generations from now like that are growing up will be able to connect through these things or like yeah just have really happy experiences through that and be able to show their kids what their childhood was like and to know that like it does exist and it is there and it was important and their family thought it was important enough to make the investment to be able to pass that legacy on to them. I will add just one little thing to that and that was all wonderful. And the other thing I will add, if we're thinking like the next generation, uh, we, we all think of what technology we have nowadays and we kind of take it for granted. Like who knows what technology is going to be around in 20 years, 25 years. And if what is today is going to be relevant then. So yeah. we sit here today and say, Oh, you know, it's on the cloud or it's on this USB. So it'll be fine, but maybe not in 20, 25 years where, you know, print has stood the test of time <laughs> as I think yeah. we can say, you know, I think a lot of us can think of pictures we have that are 50, 60, 70 years old now, more, and that doesn't change. So uh, that's another aspect that I think of too. I want to ask you what kind of products, you mentioned folio boxes as like your favorite ones. Yeah. You mentioned albums as well. What other kind of yes. products do you like to offer or do, you, do your clients get excited about? Um, I also do a framed collage that I call a storyboard and they typically go between two. So they'll typically get two products at least and 
a lot of times it's a storyboard and a folio box or a storyboard and an album. Um, but a lot like it's it's funny because I think when I was starting out, I thought the albums were going to be the most popular thing, but the folio boxes are the most popular with albums being a close um, second or third beyond that because a lot of people want to see the photographs, at least in Ireland. Like Mm. if they're going to have the photographs, they want to like see them on the walls. Um, Mm. So those tend to be what people gravitate towards. And I also have um, really large matted and framed Giclée prints that Mm. I do for clients as well, for people that want that big, piece of art on the wall, but typically because of the way that there's a, a storytelling sense to what I do, a lot of people want the folio box and the album so that they can have a larger number of photographs to look back on from that time together. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you about like an album, like a typical album that you would do for a client. Do you have like a typical number? I guess, you know, your photography sounds to be so unique to each family you do. Um, but is there some kind of ballpark number when you're doing an album of like how many spreads you put in and how many images per spread you usually do, or is that really something super unique to each client? Uh, so I remember being a client and I remember the photographer talking to me about spreads and the price per spreads. And I was like, I am a photographer and this is like flying over my head and it sounds really confusing and it's hard for me to grasp what that means financially. So I actually don't sell mine based on spreads. I price per photograph, which also places the emphasis on the photograph for the clients. And um, so it kind of, the fewer photographs, the more per photograph there is, the more photographs I go down in price. It's kind of a sliding scale, Mm -hmm. but the it's it's a very simple way of looking at it because they just choose the photographs that they want. So when I'm going through the photo reveal, they'll see a video of the photographs all together and then we'll go through them individually, sometimes um, two to three times to narrow down the photographs that they want to really keep and enjoy. And from there, like if, if they want an album, we just base it on how many photographs they have that they want. And it's the simplest way I've found to do it. And, you know, for me, I kind of see it like if if it's a challenging layout, if I need to throw in an extra photograph, like it's just an extra gift to them. Mm. Uh, And typically I'll do something like that anyway. Like if there's a photograph that I know their heart was really set on, they really wanted, but then they like let it go, maybe from the investment standpoint, I might give them a small print of that as a gift because why not? You know, like treat your clients well, give them those little surprises. And not only is it this little extra they weren't expecting, but it was something that you remembered, you were listening Mm. to what was important to them. You're conveying that. Mm. So yeah, albums, um, that's how we do. It's per photograph and they tend to be around 20 to 35 photographs depending on what the family loves. But I tend to show this one thing I didn't answer before, but from that kind of 250 photographs that I walk away from the session with, I tend to show uh, around like, you know, anywhere between 40 to 60, 65. 65 is like the upper limit because I don't want to overwhelm clients. But again, that varies per session because I feel like if I've got like 40 shots that really just nailed it and those are the magic shots, then I just show them 40 and they pick from there, but it's actually really good because folio boxes can hold 20 photographs um, and the albums as well. Like it's, it's easy to accommodate that. So, yeah. 
All right. And uh, I, I, sorry if I missed this, but when you just like for you, then I'm assuming the clients are more or less out of the picture when it comes to putting the album together. Are you then just essentially putting one page, one image on a page for an album? Or do you sometimes have a page with multiple images on it in an album? Yes, I actually tend to keep it simple for myself and do one photograph mm. per page. Mm. But if there's, say, a collection of photographs that really work well together, I have paired them before, like maybe doing three on a page, like, mm. you know, having one that extends um, just to show for like having maybe one that would extend over further and then having one or two there like having two photographs there so i will but honestly like i keep it simple and i know every photographer is different some people love having extra white space and some people just love having the photographs fill up the whole space but Mm. i just keep it simple for my own self (laughs) to be honest and it's a great way to have there's like great software like fundy and all of that makes it very easy but i just make it even simpler for myself (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and we we have a very easy online designing album software ourselves, free to use yes. for any of you uh, who struggle with the album designing process. We have software that will allow you to do it automatically, similar to some of these big names out there, uh, on top of being compatible with many of the big names. And you mentioned also, too, you kind of alluded to this, that um, it's a great upselling or cross-selling uh, opportunity to say, like, if you if the clients want a lot of images that just won't really fit in an album, you can say the rest can be in a folio box or vice versa. So that yeah. can be another uh, opportunity as well. And, and, a, and a very organic one, not like a pushy, not a salesy one, but a very organic one exactly. uh, as well. And the other, um, this is actually a great point for people who are learning or they want to know how to make the most out of their pricing list is typically like if, um, clients get down to like a certain number of photographs that they want, let's say for a folio box, I will always look at the next highest opportunity for whatever product they want and educate them on what they get at the next level, just in case, like a lot of times for people, it's so hard to let go of images. So Mm -hmm. it's just saying, okay, actually, well, here's the opportunity for this. Or maybe like um, if they feel stuck, it's like, here's what that would be, you know? So always look, at the next level up and educate mm. your clients or ask things like like if they choose an album would you like anything for the walls you know that's not yeah. pushy it's literally just asking a question it's offering mm. to be of service to them which is so not what people often think of when it comes to sales yeah. you're just being of service that's all and it, uh, it seems to be that you have mostly like an a la carte approach you're just you know, per each product is, or do you have some kind of package? You yes. seem to keep things simple. So I, I don't know. If you're <laughs> I, I do. I keep it so simple. And so my menu is a la carte, but mm-hmm. like if someone requested, I always, I have on our product guide that if you have a bespoke request or if you would like a bespoke package created, then I'm happy to do that. But what I found at very early on in WellFed was that there were so many clients when I was doing um, consultations with them, at the very start, I would ask about what their prior experiences were like with professional photography services. You know, were you happy with the results? What did you end up purchasing? Like, um, and what was the process like for you? And so many people, like, I mean, they're always dishing out the poor experiences, unfortunately, but it gave me a lot of information to learn. And one of the things that people said to me is like, 
well, we felt really forced into buying this package that it was an uncomfortable investment for us. And we had all these bonus things that were like not really what we wanted. And so that was like, ding, 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 Ariana, make sure that what they're walking away with is what they actually want. So I'm a bit of an overgiver by nature. Like I, like I said, I love to give those little extras as a bonus, as a little surprise for whenever they're opening their family art. But um, I don't push people into things. Like I might give them an extra print as a surprise, but I don't want them to feel like they're walking away with more than the, what they want. And I don't want them to feel like they've got all these extras packed in that they didn't really care about having. Because when they look at that, they're not going to be thinking, oh, I'm so in love with this. I love that we chose this. It's just like an extra that they didn't care about. So I took that message to heart. And that's why I made the a la carte menu with, of course, the option to prepare bespoke packages if requested. And that's a great, that's a great perspective. That's a really a great perspective. And listen to this, two Americans saying Let, more is not better. Let's talk about it from the, pers- the photographer's perspective too, because I feel like a lot of times mm-hmm. packages are actually money blocks in disguise. I feel like a lot of times people are, they're so scared about selling. They're so scared about how they're going to be perceived and how clients are going to take what they're presenting. So they're cramming as much as possible in to try to hope that that will get someone over the line, you know, and that it will be more appealing. But I don't actually find that that's what it is for most clients. Like I find they really just want to pick the pieces that they want and they treasure that. But, you know, everyone's clients are different. Um, That's just what works for my clients and for the model that I use for my business. But well said, well said on that perspective and that, that thought of it. Uh, you know, last call for questions in the audience. If you have any more, let us know. Uh, and even if you think of something at the last minute, drop it anyway. Or if you had to leave and come back to this recording and you have some questions, uh, let us know. We're, we're in great touch with Ariana, and I'm sure she'd be happy to, to answer any lingering questions that you might have after the yeah. interview is done. Uh, this will be available on our Enphoto Lab page once we finish. For future viewing, don't leave now, but that is, <laughs> that is the reality. Um, so last call for the questions from the audience. I, I have another question. I kind of want to go back to where we started. And this just might be this just might be a personal question for me. Uh, somebody who who doesn't have tremendous experience in the professional photography world. I don't know. Well, let me ask this kind of uh, prelude question for you. Do you have much experience? Like, have you done studio work or or have you always kind of been uh, kind of a lifestyle on the scene photographer? Yeah, I've been more um, like, like documentary and on the scene, as you say. And I think, again, it goes back to my own personality. It feels less restrictive for me to do yeah. that. I feel freer in being able to do that. But uh, I still believe that knowing like, you know, external lighting is important and knowing how to create certain looks is important. But no, I, I've never set up as a studio photographer. Okay. Well, that was my setup question. So you might not, I, I, I don't know how, because the, the, the main question I wanted to ask you, and and um, again, it might not be as easy to, uh, to answer this. It was just to compare, because when we talk about family uh, style photographers and portrait photographers, like we're generally thinking of studio style. You're not going to see people walking like that in the street very much <laughs> or <laughs> sitting in their home. So I was wondering, you know, 
what your thoughts are comparing the two, comparing the difference between doing a family portrait style shoot kind of a thing in, in a studio session setting compared to more of an on the scene uh, lifestyle or documentary. Uh, so like, is there some ways you can you can compare it, maybe some benefits or drawbacks of both what someone who might have been more in the studio world should expect when they go here and maybe vice versa? Yeah, I think if you're starting out from the studio perspective, I mean, you've got an upper hand in the fact that you're probably a very technically skilled photographer. You probably really understand your camera and how it operates. Whereas for me, I had to learn that later on because I was initially self-trained and I had to learn the technical aspects later. So you're probably, you have an upper hand there. Um, but think you have to also relax into what it is and letting people be who they are and mm. um, not pose them. But the brilliant thing is like sometimes, Eugene, I see photographs that are portraiture photographs and I really do feel like the photographers capture the essence of that person. Sometimes I see portraits and I don't really feel like that's the case. So I still think that there is like there's the ability to capture the essence of someone, whether it's documentary photography or studio portraiture. But here's the difference for me. I think in studio portraiture, sometimes we miss context that is important to that person's life. And I will explain what I mean by that. Um, there's a portrait, an Olin Mills portrait of my mom, and it's in our in the home that I grew up in. And I asked her, I said, what made you go get your photograph done? Because it's just of her, right? It's not like a family portrait. It's just of her in her 20s. And she said to me, I thought that maybe one day I would have grandchildren who wondered who that person was and what was important to her. And I think that that is amazing that she was able to think about that in her 20s. But what I also think is like, she's a horsewoman. She's been so active. She's um, like, there's so much to her that isn't, it isn't captured just in that portrait that could have been captured perhaps like on her parents' ranch or at our home out at the barn. So I think that there's room for every type of photography and everyone's drawn to something different. For me, I love the context. I love the historical value of seeing things like, um, you know, what toys the kids are playing with or what newspapers sitting out or what blippy videos being watched or like those things are what I enjoy. And I think if you're going from a studio to say documentary photography, that is the world that gets to open up for you. You get to see that historical context. And if you stay in the game long enough, which I'd love to actually talk about um, the sustainability of photography and having a photography brand, but if you stay in long enough, then you can look back over and really start to see the transitions and see the changes. Like I got my, <laughs> I got my dad, um, I think it's called Storyworth. It's like basically where he uh, answers certain questions and they turn it into a book. And I saw one of his responses today and it was about all the different cars that he's owned throughout his life. And he had photos of the different cars. And it was so amazing to watch, you know, from the first car he ever purchased to like what he drives now, but to see how much like the, the design changed over time. It's just amazing. But that's um that's that historical context that I love and that I'm really drawn to. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and no, there's nothing wrong about either or. So I really love your explanation no. of talking about the different sides of both, though. And uh, you just returned the favor. You gave me a great idea. I wrote it down. <laughs> the next topic for a live chat with you or a chat with you, Ariana, the sustainability of a photography brand. That's a great topic, too. That's yes. a great so We'll definitely – that'll be for a different day, though. <laughs> We're near, yes. nearing the end of this one today. There is one more question in the audience uh, from Bermuda. She's, she got in here. Uh, she wants to know, uh, when you photograph a family or newborn at home, what do you do to not go way over the 90-minute limit? Do you set an alarm or do you keep checking the time on a watch or a phone? She says she tends to shoot longer, so she doesn't want to uh, – she needs to work. So she needs to work on the time management. I do not check my phone and I do not set an alarm purely because I do not want to send the message that – the timekeeping is what is most important to me. I think sometimes, even if that's not what you're meaning by it, even if you're just trying to um, watch your own time and things like that, I don't do that. Like It's like if you're ever with someone and you're out to a dinner with them and they go to check their time on their phone and all of a sudden that connection's broken. So I tend not to do that. But if for say they have like a, a microwave with a, a time display, or something like that, you can kind of like work it in without them knowing that that's what you're paying attention to. So if you're um, wanting to timekeep or be more aware of your timekeeping, rather than setting an alarm or looking at your phone, just, um, you, you're not always gonna be guaranteed this, but a lot of people have a clock in their home or like an oven display or a microwave display. Very easy way to just kind of glance and see what the time is. They need to get they need to get clocks on cameras. Come on, you can't like that's three forty five. Okay, um, just checking the image. I'm actually kind of it's kind of surprising the way technology is noticed. Uh, but those are good points. That's a great question, and those are uh, great points. Um, I kind of had another, and I know we kind of talked about this a little in our last chat, but just for the sake of it, uh, we're kind of on yeah. that topic now. You do have this, like you're going, like you say, you're going into people's homes. It's a very, you know, sensitive time for them, even though you've broken the ice with them. Uh, so I can imagine, uh, probably maybe even a little more than with a studio uh, photographer or something like that, that there can be these moments when plans might change at the last minute. You know, like maybe the family's just having a bad day, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 not today with the photographer," and they call you or something, and they say sorry, or like, so how does that? How do you work in that? Um, you know, idea of cancel like cancellation fees or things like this. Uh, how do you deal with those situations? Because they may end up being a little more when you're thinking of going to somebody's home. Yes. So one thing is with the brand that I've built, I decided I do not want to nickel and dime my clients. That's not to say that you want to set up a situation where clients take advantage of you. But I don't want to throw in all these extra charges for clients. So the only extra like administrative fee that I have built in is for if people avail of a payment plan for their family art, that's the only thing. So for me, if I'm photographing a family, that whole day is actually set aside from them. Even if I'm, I'm only going to spend 60 to 90 minutes, I don't schedule another photo session on that day because I have family and I understand what that can feel like if things just go awry or like just things are amiss or just something happens. Like I've, I've actually had people who um, a family member passed away on the day of the photo session 
And so you just have to understand and have a heart for those things and know that it's a much better experience for everyone if you either reschedule for, like I said, I have the photo reveal as kind of the backup date. Um, or if it's something where like we have a morning photo session scheduled, but actually the afternoon's looking better, I will just shift to the afternoon um, as long as we stay in touch. So I do, I, I am constantly staying in touch with the clients in the lead up to the photo session and on the day of the photo session, checking in with them, um, not to overwhelm them, but just to check in, make sure everything's okay. We're still on for the same time. And um, yeah, so that's how I treat it. But like, you know, in the situation where the person's father-in-law passed away, like you just have to be sensitive of that. You just have to be flexible. Yeah. You have to know things happen and always remember that how they felt during their photo session and in seeing those photographs is how they will feel when looking at them later. So you don't want to force, like I would much rather just shift around schedules and have happy clients and a happy photo session than to try to force something that isn't working. My my rule is not to fight against anything. I had a um, an acupuncturist years ago who said that which you fight against only fights back harder. So I apply that to my life across the board. And if anything feels like a struggle, that's not the approach that I need to take. So I just um, do the best I can. And I find that my clients are really appreciative of that. And I get lots of great feedback and positivity as a result. They don't feel like they're a transaction. They don't feel like I'm only here to get money from you. They feel valued. And that's the other part of it is um, I think when you have your own boundaries in place and you're very open with boundaries and um, and all of that, like people are less likely to want to take advantage of you. So I've never felt in a situation where we needed to change a photo session around that it was someone trying to like take advantage of the situation. Typically, it's a genuine reason. Mm -hmm. And I just cater to that the best I can. I mean, I don't know about um, I don't know about the person who asked the question, but like my clients are typically investing thousands of euros for these photographs and for this experience. So I, I don't know, like I just I, I mm -hmm. think flexibility is OK. I think that you know that that's it's fair enough to to work that in and to make sure that they're well taken care of in that regard all right and that was actually my question <laughs> just trying <laughs> I, I it was like a question of the topic i was thinking that it might be interesting for people to hear at this time uh but we have one and i sorry audience this is the last question i promise <laughs> but don't don't stop asking we'll answer them later but the last question for the live segment it's a quick one from Bermuda. similar yes. topic she wants to know do you include traveling fees in your pricing or is this an additional charge so this goes back to what I was saying about the nickeling and diming part. I used to do that. I used to charge extra for travel, but the current model that I've shifted to, I include it because it's just easier. It's simpler. Um, I've actually increased the pricing that I offer this year. And so I increased keeping that in mind because again, I cover the whole country. So uh, whether I'm going to Galway or Donegal or Cork, like it, it's the same across the board and it makes things easier for me. And I feel like it all balances out anyway, because there are going to be some families who might invest eight grand or 10 grand. There are going to be some families who invest three grand. And so for me, I feel like, you know, 
travels on me. I've got it. Like it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. before, um, I did have that as an extra, but not anymore. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being such a wonderful audience. Thank you for all the questions and thank you, Ariana, for joining us today and being such a wonderful guest. We are going to uh, end it here today, but stay tuned for our next segment, Sustainability of a Professional Photography Brand and Business. I'm re- that's going to happen at some point in the future. Uh, that's so important. Great- yeah, so many just- photography businesses die off way too soon, and they don't have to. <laughs> Excellent. So look forward to that. Again, if you think of a question you'd like to ask Ariana, pop it back in the questions. This will be up on our Enphoto Lab page uh, to see in the future. Once again, thank you so much. Check back in with our Enphoto Lab page every day to see what fun and exciting things we have coming for you. All the best, everyone. Thank you again, Ariana. Take care. Thank you. Bye.